Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk, Happy Hour Radio. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. All right, happy April, everybody. Welcome to Happy Hour Radio. I'm your host, Christopher Chan, advanced sommelier, your weekend wine guy, and uh, your samurai of spirits. Uh, hope you had a great uh, a great April Fool's, and uh, how about that Final Four? Wow, congratulations, Zags, for a great season. Um, did anyone go out to uh, Taste Washington uh, two weeks ago? It was uh, 25th and 26th down at the uh, CenturyLink Convention Center. 300 wineries, 70-plus restaurants. It was a blast. Um, the wines continue to improve throughout the state, uh, and the food this year was spectacular. We had a lot of restaurants that really put forth a, a great effort. Um, this being the 20th anniversary of Taste Washington, it was uh, it's reached adulthood, I guess, and um, it's a lot of fun. So be sure you put that on your uh, to-do list. It's uh, two days of uh, lots of fun. You can get an all-day, all-weekend pass, and they also have some seminars and classes, and I enjoyed a couple. I had the 50th anniversary of Shadow San Michel class with Bob Betts and Ted Baszler and Bob Bertow and um, Sarah Schneider from from Sunset Magazine, hosted by Sean Sullivan. He is the uh, local wine scribe for the Wine Enthusiast Magazine. He uh, reviews Washington wines. Um, and it was really, really cool. Uh, we tasted a bunch of wines, had some stories and some laughs about uh, the history. And uh, also had, sat in on the Sagemore Vineyards with Kent Wallister. That was a lot of fun, too, because we had um, uh, about 10 wines. And uh, we had Rick Small, um, Chad, uh, Chad Johnson from Dusted Valley. We had Christian Sparkman from Sparkman Cellars. And, uh, oh, oh, Mike Janik from uh, Janik Novelty Hill. They all use fruit from uh, Sagemore Vineyards, which is uh, a compilation of vineyards. It's uh, Winebow, um, Bacchus, uh, Dionysus, uh, Sagemore, the vineyard itself, and Gamash. They have five vineyards and really uh, produce some fantastic fruit. Um, and they had a great story about how Washington really came on um, and how they had uh, rolled with the changes. Uh, that French paradox thing back in the 90s from 60 Minutes really changed the demand for wine. And uh, we're fortunate to have the French paradox. And I've got a Frenchman in studio today, and I'm excited. Um, he's an executive chef. Up at Semi Amu Resort, which is just outside of Blaine, they like to say it's in Blaine, but no one knows where Blaine is. So it's it's up there by the border. Uh, Bruno Feldesin is uh, the chef, and I got to get that name right. Um, he's uh, uh, here today to talk about the Northwest Wine Encounter, which takes place April 29th up there. They've got a beautiful resort. We're going to find about learn all about Semi Amu, and. Um, talk about uh, some of the wineries that are participating. So, Chef Bruno, hey, welcome to Happy Hour. Christopher, good afternoon. Good How afternoon. are you doing? All right, so it's Feldizen? Uh, let's say Feldizen. Feldeisen. Feldeisen. Yeah, it's a German background it name. It is a so. German. That's, I'm trying to put the French on it. Uh-huh. Uh, well, fantastic. It's good to have you down here. I know you took a little trip to meet me in studio on this beautiful Saturday night. Um, let's talk about Semiamu. Tell me about that resort. Semiamu, it's a beautiful resort up north. Uh, 
We are just a minutes away from the Canadian borders. It's sitting on a spit of land on the Pacific Ocean. It's surrounded by beauty, nature, wonderful farmers, great fishermen. So for a chef, it's a beautiful place to work and cook. Oh, I love it. And how long have you been uh, executive chef there? I've been there for uh, 16 months now. Uh huh. How did they find you? Um, they, I found them actually. Yeah. <laughs> I heard they were looking for a new chef. Uh, one of my friends is a corporate chef for the company that manage it. So I reached to him. I said, Roy, I heard you're looking for a chef. I think I'm your guy. So it was a quick trip for me because I used to live in Vancouver, BC. Mm. Went down, I did a cooking test, and I was there. Oh, great. So Roy Bremen is the executive corporate chef for yep. uh, the properties that include Copperleaf and Cedarbrook Lodge That's and Semiamu. And mm-hmm. there's one more, too. There is one more, uh, two more, actually, in Arizona and uh, a new opening somewhere in uh, south of Seattle in a few months. That's great. Mm-hmm. And uh, have you dined at Copperleaf? Yes, I did many it's, times. Yeah, uh, great <coughs> stuff. It's um, yeah. it's really a nice little hideaway. It's mm-hmm. kind of a nature preserve and all of that sprawl that's yeah. called SeaTac. Um, wonderful. So you've been there for 16 months. And let's talk about um, the your cooking experience. You have a French accent because you are from France, but you, <coughs> apparently you have a German father or something. Uh, when did you learn to cook and where? Um, I learned to cook, you know, at home in France, I really cook. It's a family, you know. So I have a grandmother from Italy and a grandfather from Germany. So obviously two different approaches to cooking. <laughs> <laughs> Two different joy of eating, uh, but <clears throat> uh, it was from scratch, obviously. Um, I mean, fond memories of making new keys by hand with my grandmother and fond memories with my grandfather to buy uh, a pork, a pig's head and boil it and make cheese head out of it. Oh, so, wow. Uh, but uh, some anecdote about German cooking. My grandfather used to love to eat cold pasta with jam and sugar. <laughs> really? Weird, but, you know, it's starch. Was it like spaghetti? <clears throat> yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, will, he will grab some cold noodles that he cooked the day before and put some raspberry jam, sprinkle with sugar, and he will eat it. Oh, wow. And, you know, it's like bread. And, uh, sure. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, you know, that wasn't the area of uh, cooking I wanted to explore anyway. But definitely my grandfather mother was very uh, instrumental to uh, to make me love uh, cooking and you know in Europe it's everybody cooks I mean my aunt first thing when she woke up in the morning it's what am I going to cook today really? so the second step is she goes out and buys the produce for the day so it's a different dynamics it's you know people spend more time into uh, what to cook every day and you know it translates in better I think heating habit for sure. Sure. And where, what part of France uh, did, do you hail from? Where is uh, this? So I was born, first generation born in France. I was born in a um, small town. It's only known if you're a rugby player or if you love tires because it's called Clermont-Ferrand. It's right in the center and it's Michelin Tires hometown. <laughs> <coughs> Interesting. I know we were chatting about Michelin tires and mm-hmm. I was wondering, you know, that we have this thing called the Michelin Guide yeah. and um, you told me a little, shared a story about Michelin. So let's talk about that. <coughs> How did this this Michelin guide come to be? So you know, in the nineteen after World War Two or before World War Two, actually, uh, France and. St- uh, started to have pay vacation. So it was this huge rush of people every summer that would drive from Paris on the northern part of France and drive all the way down to Côte d'Azur. So they built two big highways, n- number seven and number nine. And uh, then some restaurateurs said, you know, people is going to drive, we have to feed them. So they have a lot of restaurants being built all around uh, yes. RN7, RN9. And if you look at historically some of the best restaurants in France, they are located around this area. 
and then Michelin tires say you know we need to promote driving and support the tires industry and say you know let's do a guide for all those people because if you put the dot together it works together how about that yeah that's how it started and uh, so and you can see on the uh, on the guide Michelin on Michelin guide there is a bibendum you know the logo of Michelin tires on it oh yeah, yeah that's mm -hmm. right yeah. yeah so you know that's that's great little story that mm -hmm. the Michelin guide is all about driving to those restaurants and then recognizing who's got great food now is there three Michelin stars that's the most uh, three three mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. and uh, I think it's like the Italian there's like three Gambero Rosso's right you only get three that's... shrimp <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love it um, speaking with chef Bruno Say it again. Feldeisen. Feldeisen. Keep it simple. Right, I got it. <laughs> chef Bruno, uh, executive chef at Semiamu, and um, you have a restaurant up there. Um, tell me about this restaurant. What's the name of the restaurant and so what actually, style food? Actually, we have two restaurants. Okay. We have a Packers Oyster Bar, which is very uh, seafood-centric. So, you know, we're surrounded by a uh, bounty full of seafood, so it's really local seafood only. What's it called? <clears throat> Packers. Packers, like yeah. the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers. Okay, great. Well, I'm from uh, Wisconsin. The, the hotel so used to be a, a salmon cannery in the past. Ah. Yeah, one of the largest on the West Coast. Wow. So the main building, that used to be the cannery. Right. So we have Packers that serves our lunch, all-day menu, um, mostly seafood. And then we have Pearside Kitchen, a bit more upscale, a bit more diversified cuisine, but definitely rooted into Pacific Northwest. Sure. And, of course, uh, we, we are lucky to have a bounty, much like uh, the heartland of France where we have uh, fruits and vegetables and livestock. And um, I like to call the, cu the cuisine we do, you know, local, seasonal, sustainable, um, very honest, straightforward. Uh, I work closely with a lot of local farmers. So if we have it, great. If we don't, then we change the menu, we do something <laughs> else. But, uh, you know, you won't find stuff coming from far away. Um, uh, you know, sometimes, like in winter, we need to limit our uh, seafood menu because we don't find the salmon, we don't find anything like that. Right. But uh, summertime, it's, uh, we go nuts, we go crazy for, uh, for uh, everything we can find. So fun. So mm -hmm. Semiamo is a resort. So you have overnight accommodations. You have yeah. a place for weddings. You, of course, a couple restaurants. <laughs> You have room service? We have room service. So right. we have 190 rooms. We have two beautiful golf courses. Um, not attached to the resort, but 10 minutes drive from mm -hmm. it. Uh, on the golf course, you have restaurant as well, so that we, uh, we run. Um, we have kayaking, biking. Uh, it's great for bird watching. So every time I drive in the morning, I never thought I would be into bird watching, but I am now. I mean, you drive <laughs> and it's it's just serene and beautiful. Do you have some some mud flats, or is there an area where that is an estuary? I mean, is it yes. just a, so a you have pier Drayton, or a river or what? You have a Drayton Harbor. Okay. <clears throat> When the, the tide is very low, you can walk uh, fairly far right. away. Uh, we actually, we get some oysters right in town from Drayton Harbor oysters. Mm. Uh, very unique. Uh, I mean, for me, it, when you see somebody who's so passionate about one item being his oysters you know i want to i want to support him and i want to work with him because he's such a beautiful product and it's a for me it's an artisan it's a, it's a fruit of love you know when you put so much time into one product oui, le fruit de mer huh? fruit de mer yeah that's and right. our oysters i have to say in pacific northwest have the best in the world you know and that's coming from a french man hey, that's so, great yeah i've had the ballons out of uh the, yeah, the normandy and it's uh, only one ballon but here it's 
almost year round and they're so True. unique you know the uh, and you know for us it's plug out of the water and serve within a few hours i mean we have a nice you know we keep the oyster tags for deliveries sure you're supposed to these yeah, days so we keep them uh, 90 days and have one oyster tag we say harvested at 10 20 in the morning deliver at 11 10 and this we this you cannot beat it you, wow. you know you can be in new york you're not going to get this kind of experience <laughs> no because they're on new york time yeah. although they seem to be in a hurry mm -hmm. um so you also have a wine program right at the at the restaurant yeah we have a great wine program we do wine dinners uh, twice a month now with uh, washington state wineries oregon some californian and we might bring uh, somebody from BC. We don't know yet. Um, you know, it's always a hurdle to bring alcohol across the border, uh, but definitely heavy into Washington State wineries. Yeah. Well, can't you can't smuggle Asians? You can't <laughs> smuggle alcohol and illegal substances. Yeah. Um, how many SKUs do you have on the wine program? How many how many bottles are listed on there? A hundred, two hundred? Is uh, it over a hundred? Yeah, yeah, easy over a hundred. We have we have so much wine. We don't list everything. You know, we want to keep the menu very simple, straightforward. So we don't have a wine list with many pages yeah so we rotate some of the wine uh, but over 100 definitely yeah you know it's interesting so there are some uh, restaurants that have huge tomes of wine lists and they're fantastic they're cellar and of course they they come with a, um, a hefty investment but mm -hmm. well worth it because if it's not good you send it back it's not like you bought it and brought it home um, but it sometimes it takes so long to get through that and you know the the table's waiting for you especially if you know wine they're waiting on you and like you got a table of six and you're trying to pick out some wines and, and I, I find people being you know intimidated by this kind of uh, sure. big wine bible you know I think people want something very straightforward very simple to yeah. be uh, point able. shoot yeah point <laughs> and shoot definitely I love it so um, the restaurant or the Semiyama is open year round and it's it's a public place so you can find uh, um, reservations you can make your reservations at any time mm -hmm. uh, are there, there are <clears> tennis courts you have golf clubs you have, we you have a, a spa we have a great spa tennis court uh, there is uh, yoga classes uh, pilates classes I mean you, once you arrive at the resort you can dine drink splurge yourself into Nap. fantastic yeah <laughs> tech type uh you know even in winter we're quite busy we are uh, we have a lot of uh, uh mostly people coming from seattle to uh, you know it's only an hour and a half drive and it's it's you, you, so remote and quiet yeah that's great yeah, yeah i love it so we're here to talk about a special venue coming up it's called the northwest wine encounter and that's taking place on april 29th up at the restaurant yeah. i know that you brought a couple <coughs> bottles of wine of, of some of the partners who will be here it looks like delil you've got delil, DeLil uh the X wine and of course the Schleur State Blanc. So when we come back from this break, mm -hmm. we're going to talk about this Northwest Wine Encounter and what's involved and, and how to make reservations and also try some of these great wines here on Happy Hour Radio. Hey folks, talking with Chef Bruno. Um, oh gosh, I got to work on that. <laughs> Chef Bruno from Semyon Moon Resort. He's right here in Happy Hour. So stick around, folks. We'll be right back on 570 KVI. Big names, big news. Sean Hannity, weekdays 3 to 6 p.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle Sommelier, Christopher Chan. All right, happy Saturday night, Seattle, and welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round two. I've got two glasses of wine, lucky me. Hope you got something tasty in your glass or on your way to someplace cool. Um, make some plans to head up to Semiamu. It sounds fantastic. I myself have not been there, but uh, we have a two-day event 
taking place this month, April 28th and 29th. It's called the Northwest Wine Encounter. Chef Bruno, tell me about this event. So it's all about Pacific Northwest wine. Um, it starts on Friday night, V28, with a reception and different wineries. Then we move into Saturday, so there is whole day wine tasting, wine seminars. Wow. Uh, a lot of winemakers are coming for this, um, so you're going to get your... Uh, your, uh, get your, your wine, your on, wine uh, fix, right. <clears throat> and then at night on uh, 29 on Saturday we have a big uh, dinner. We have uh, five course uh, dinner with different wineries, and then uh, Sunday morning everybody's kind of tired, but there is still more uh, more wine tasting. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. And then we all kiss each other goodbye until <laughs> next uh, 2018. So that's going to be the second year this year. Last year was quite successful for a first year. I was fairly amazed how many people were enthusiastic about it. And this year we are almost uh, sold out. Uh, and uh, Wow. 120 people are coming up. Fantastic. So, uh, it's a great weekend. Well, how, how do people find more information about Northwest uh, Wine? On our care? website at samiamu.com and uh, listening to the radio show. Obviously. Of course. That's and, right. We um, are the... <laughs> yeah, Facebook page. So it's uh, we want to make it uh, a yearly um an annual event, yeah, right. like a big one, bigger and bigger. Keep it on the calendar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Washington wine deserves this kind of exposure. Definitely. Well, yeah. they're coming from a Frenchman. You got to believe it. Yeah. Sounds true, or at mm-hmm. least it sounds good. Um, so Saturday night is a wine. Sorry, it's Friday is the wine tasting, right? Yeah, yeah. Friday night it's the uh, opening. opening. So there is a, so a reception. A reception with different wineries. You're going to meet most of the winemakers at the event. Uh-huh. Uh, some sommeliers are coming. Some of the chefs too. Uh, and then uh, Saturday, I think, start fairly early in the morning, at nine a.m. And there is different seminars, wine tasting. Do you have some of the titles of these seminars? <clears throat> um, are I they secret? <laughs> I don't have it in my They're mind. They're still working. Yeah. Working title. <laughs> but um, but some of the wineries are, are coming. Are uh, you know, Panther Creek is coming. Delil of of course, North Stars, um, uh, Leonetti Cellars. So, All right. Yeah. Some big hitters. Uh, Geringer as well. That's out of BC. Uh, oh, so, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was up in Vancouver uh, two months ago for mm-hmm. the Vancouver International Wine Festival. Lo- uh, some great wines coming down there is with the uh, the warming of our uh, of our globe. So, uh, semiamu.com. This mm-hmm. is the Northwest Wine Encounter. It's uh, April 28th and 29th. It's a Friday, Saturday, and yeah. then Sunday you can get some more stuff. Mm-hmm. What is, what is, can you get just one class? Can you do just no, the you, dinner? or you is it the have whole? to buy the whole package. All right. Um, actually, there is two packages. One package comes with everything included, mm-hmm. including rooms, so you can stay relaxed. You don't need to worry about driving, being drunk, and, you know, having <laughs> the state patrol pulling you over. We don't bail out people next day it's not part of the package yet right. or you can buy a lot of local are coming obviously so uh, they're just buying the, uh, the whole pack, uh, package without the rooms I see mm-hmm. okay so uh, we, we have a reception and we have wine classes seminars we have a big wine dinner mm-hmm. and uh, what are some of the items what, what do you plan to make this spring season for that wine dinner um all local food, obviously. So the first course, it's a slow poach halibut. Mm. Season is starting with a Waldorf salad, red endive, ninja radish, ambrosia apple, and a red baby watercress. Uh, second course, pancier sea scallops, oh, yeah. um, braised fennel, baby turnips, fry capers. Uh, third course, it's a braised beef chick annuity. Mm. With fiddlehead firms, fiddlehead firms, yeah. all right. Some uh, blonde Oregon uh, morels, mushrooms. Blonde like, morels, yeah. huh? Out of Oregon, and then we have a carved bison tenderloin with uh, potato horseradish uh, muslin, which is like a mashed potatoes. Right. And for desserts, uh, poach red wine poach pear with creme fraiche panna cotta. 
Oh, so, tasty yeah. and a, lo a beautiful local blue cheese called Twin Sisters with Whatcom Blue. All right, yeah, up there local in cheese. Yeah, <laughs> sounds fantastic. And of course, is there is there a wine course with every pairing? A wine pairing yeah. for each course. Yeah. Uh, first uh, wine is a 2014 Panther Creek Pinot Gris, Williamette Valley from Oregon. Mm -hmm. Next uh, wine is a 2013 Delisle Cellars Chaleur Estate Blend. That's a wine we're going to test yes. later on uh, out of Windonville. And the third course is a 2013 North Star Premier Merlot, Columbia Valley. Mm -hmm. And then for the Bison, we're going to have a 2014 Leonetti Cellars San Giovese. Walla Walla Valley. Oh, great. And for desserts, uh, 2015 Geringer Brothers Estate Winery Cabernet Franks ice wine out of the Okanagan Valley in BC. Uh, I think I had that actually mm -hmm. up there. Quite, uh, yes, yeah. mm -hmm. delicious I'm not wine. a big fan of sweet wine uh, in general, but this one is quite uh, not sweet. That's why they put it in small <coughs> bottles a lot of yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> a little goes a long way. Yeah. Well, so fun. The uh, Northwest Wine Encounter, April 28th, 29th at semiamu.com. Uh, so tickets still available? Still rooms There's available? There's a few tickets, All right. and uh, okay. we make room for you. We we'll make, make room. <laughs> <laughs> we got the, uh, the extra bed for those rooms. Well, great. So you brought some wine today and it's always great to have uh, delicious wine and I haven't had these wines in studio for a while. Um, this is fun. So one of the wines you're pairing at the dinner is called Chaleur Estate Blanc and uh, mm -hmm. this is one of my favorite wines. It's been around for a long time. It's really one of the uh, preeminent blends of this kind of style. Uh, I know that Woodward Canyon made one and then Beauty jumped on um, and this wine has been an, a, a stalwart of uh, quality and style. Um, Semillon and Sauvignon Blanc. Mm -hmm. Very uh, Bordeaux style. Mm. Some barrel fermentation, a little bit of mallow, or maybe that's just um, all the richness from the Semillon. You see, I grew up as a Frenchman thinking only France made great wines. Until I moved to the States and uh, my mind what was open and, and embraced American wine because I think we do some amazing wine here. Yeah, that's you know. great. We do. It, uh, mm -hmm. Of course, Taste Washington uh, had a lot of great wines mm -hmm. and I was really pleased uh, to see everybody. Just can never have enough time to walk all those wineries. Uh, so delicious wine. This is paired with the sea scallop, you said? Uh, this one is going to be done with um, uh, scallops. Yeah, the yeah, sea scallops. Yeah. I love it. This is yeah. it, this wine has that white burgundy feel where mm -hmm. you've got the, the weight of the palate, but also has some nice acidity, just the thin line of yeah, minerality, so. we'll say. So the, the sweetness of the scallops is going to go perfectly with this. Mm. Mm. And sea scallops are really one of my favorite dishes all mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. I can eat sea scallops uh, raw, chilled, <laughs> um, baked, whatever, and... Um, this will be fantastic. Uh, this is the 2013, and they're serving the 2014, right? So um, this is probably on your list? Yeah, it is on the, on yeah, the yeah. list. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Actually, it's by the glass as well. So. Mm, mm -hmm. Lovely. The lucky. All right, so you brought a red wine as well. This is the Doyen 2012X. And X is a region in Provence. Many people have probably seen that rosé called AIX. It's mm -hmm. pronounced X. It's called Aix-en-Provence is the town. And interesting enough that they have uh, a host of different varieties down there. Of course, the typical Rhone varieties, but they also have a little of the Bordeaux varieties, the Merlot and the Cabernet. And so they actually can blend a little Cabernet Sauvignon in their wine. Mm -hmm. And it's I a believe that's complex, what this is. You know, um... mm. This is a lovely glass, too. You're serving it in the Bolo glass, uh, the Burgundy glass, or Nebbiolo glass, and it just captures that aroma so beautifully. Mm. Fresh fruits, um, dark red, blue, purple fruits, a hint of uh, rosemary or herbaceousness, and, of course, there's a little bit of French oak on this mm -hmm. one. I can smell it. So 
because that's part of the uh, reception. It's not for the wine dinner itself, but that's oh. part of the reception. Great. Uh, yeah, I love it. It's out of the uh, Red Mountain, Washington State. Yes, mm -hmm. Red Mountain. Uh, uh, Dalil has their uh, uh, Grand Ciel vineyard up there, and I think they actually have another Doyen vineyard or something. Mm -hmm. um, the Rhone varieties are, are spectacular in Washington State. And I'm sure that uh, the reception will be fantastic. How many wines will people have a chance to taste at the reception? Um, over almost 20 wines. Oh, great! Mm -hmm. So there's no rush. I mean, and sometimes when you're at a, an event like Taste Washington, you you've got so many wines that you want to taste <coughs> that you don't give each one the proper I, amount. Of I was there. Attention. Oh, you were two weeks, two weeks ago. Yeah. It was madness. You know, <laughs> yeah, it makes me realize the uh, spectrum of the wine you can find in Washington State. You know, you know, you, you're like you know what 20 wineries maybe. Then you go to Taste Washington, and it's like many yeah, more. Than almost three hundred. Yeah, heard. yeah. So one of the wines mm -hmm. I tasted was a Pickpool, which which I thought was absolutely beautiful. And mm -hmm. where do we get Pickpool? It's a Southern Rhone white grape, but um, it's coming along here in Washington State. Now these wines are delicious. These are available uh, during the event. Also, perhaps you've got the white on your list, um, Chef Bruno. Feldeisen. You nailed it. Feldeisen. <laughs> I did it. It only takes, you know, two segments to figure it out. So, semiamu.com. Uh, do you have other events throughout the year? I mean, you have wine dinners, we et do, cetera. Uh, we do wine dinners now twice a month. Um, uh, Washington State, Oregon, uh, wineries, some California as well. Um, and those are five course dinners. We do another wine dinner on a, one of the golf courses at uh, Glade Blue Herons, part oh, really? of the resort. So, those are only three course wine dinners. Same, um, you know, it's pricing a bit lower. Sure. Um, very successful. We do, you know, we maximize it to 40 people. We don't do those big banquet wine yeah. dinners. So um, sometimes, if you're lucky, it's as small as 12, 15 people. So very, you know, intimate. Often the winemaker comes. Great. Yeah, and uh, so a great experience. Overall. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, congratulations on a Thank brand you. new gig, and, and uh, we love that you love Washington wine. Mm -hmm. um, the, set, the Northwest Wine Encounter, it's second annual. It's uh, April 28th and 29th. Semiamu.com has all the details. You can get a room with the whole package or just get the package by itself. And uh, if you commute locally, or I'm sure there's a Best Western somewhere, <laughs> <laughs> won't be quite the same. Um, but a pleasure to meet you. I look forward to seeing you up there, and if same not, down me. here on the Radio again. All right, super. Thank All you. right, hey, that's Chef Bruno Feldeisen, uh, the executive chef at Semiamu, talking about the Northwest Wine Encounter April 28th and 29th. Hey, stick around, folks. I've got Robert McEwen going to chat about uh, the bespoke uh, wine dinner, which is taking place later this month here in Seattle. Stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. He's back, and he's in charge. Kirby Wilbur, live and local weekdays, 9 to noon. Talk Radio 570, KVI. KVI, want to know weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. All right, Seattle. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Time for round three. Hope you got something great in your glass. Um, actually, I don't have a glass in front of me. But I do have uh, Robert McEwen, who's the uh, communications director for Koshan 555 and uh, the Piggy Bank Charity. Uh, we spoke to him last week about uh, the great uh, Seattle tour or the tour coming to Seattle on Sunday, April 30th over at the Fairmont Olympic. Uh, five chefs, five pigs, heritage breed pigs, not just your uh, porky pig. This is something about reconnecting with the soil, the tradition, the history of our breeds, um, and also five wineries. But there's something else. There's more. This is not just an eating and drinking thing. You can learn stuff. So, hey, Robert McEwen, welcome back to Happy Hour. 
Thank you. Thanks for having us. Great. So um, tell me about it. Obviously, we had a brief discussion about the piggy bank charity and is the, the bespoke uh, full day seminar. Tell me what's happening. So we have uh, this year, we launched a, a brand new day all for charity. And, and really the whole point of the day is to inspire people and get people thinking in different ways about food and also the issues surrounding food. It's a, it's a pretty unique partnership. It's between us and the American branch of the Oxford food symposium. The Oxford Food Symposium in 1982 was the first major university to establish a group for the study of food and culture uh, in an academic setting. And they've never done anything with anyone outside of the grounds of Oxford, and they will break that streak this year with us and do it in eight cities. Seattle's the second city that we'll be doing this in. Wow. So Oxford, and tell me about the the idea of Oxford. So this is the uh, university in England, in London, Mm -hmm. and um, of all places to think about who's studying food, it's the Englanders. Uh, I've had some England food. I mean, I love the fish and chips, of course, and their (laughs) meat pies. But um, tell me, what, who are the principals behind this? And I mean, this is coming up on, uh, you know, 40 years soon. Yeah, the the, the founders were two really incredible men, one who's still with us. Um, the, the, the lead was a man named Alan Davidson, who was a mentor of mine. And Alan was one of the great cultural minds of his generation um, as a historian at Oxford. And he actually won the Erasmus Prize, which is a several hundred thousand euro prize up there with the Nobel, beating out other researchers in scientific disciplines. And he won it for food scholarship. Uh, the other co-founder was a man named Theodore Zeldin, who's a social historian. And they basically brought this in 1982 from an obscure uh, set of people at Oxford to something that now is one of the hottest things in the academic world. Uh, And food studies departments and programs are being founded and degrees given out all over the world now. Interesting. Well, I'm still trying to wrap my head around this idea of food studies. I I know that uh, from a chemical engineering or a biologist, people look to make different flavors, like the guy who invented Cap'n Crunch and all that. But what is a food study? What are they doing? Are they are they you know studying the the best hamburger in the world, or or give me more? Well, food studies is like anything in the social sciences these days. Food studies is a multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary pursuit. So you have anthropologists, sociologists, uh, cultural historians, historians, uh, all studying, basically all using food as an object of study. I myself um, lecture and teach on this around universities in Canada and at conferences around the world, and I'm finishing a PhD in it. And uh, the object of the study is basically food and how it's expressed through culture. And there's a lot of really interesting and innovative work, including that of some of the speakers we'll have in Seattle. Wow, uh, that that's pretty exciting. And I'm thinking, is this is this how the paleo diet came around? Because we we were studying anthropologists were studying the old caveman guy or whatever cave woman, looking at their teeth, looking at their bone structure, the density, and trying to figure out what they could have eaten and uh, you know hunted and gathered. I guess. Yeah, these are. I mean, these are the exact things that come out of food studies. Um, one perfect example. There's a man named Sidney Mintz, uh, one of our great anthropologists. In, in the U.S., and he's, he is, specializes in power and food, and his landmark study was about sugar and the importance that sugar came to play in the colonial area of trade and what it meant for different classes and for power. 
Um, so when we drink coffee and put sugar in it in the morning, this was a direct outgrowth of this trade. And people putting sugar in their coffee, kind of like people putting truffles on food nowadays, was an expression of class and power oh, when it right. first came about. So there's so many stories like this. Uh, another one of my favorites is about uh, sriracha and ketchup. <laughs> so there's, there's many there, and, and that's the kind of stuff we hope to bring to people and get them inspired about. That's interesting because I know I was uh, I was actually having a discussion one night at a bar talking about condiments and where did ketchup come from? And uh, my studies led me to believe ketchup was an American invention, um, but although someone thought it was Chinese. Do you know where ketchup came from? Yeah, I mean, ketchup's origins would be debated in between China and Southeast Asia, but the the direct probably lineage of the condiment itself. So ketchup originally went back to a condiment called ketchup manis. And this was very popular in uh, British Malaya. So what happened was when the tomato finally made its way over in the New World Exchange of Foods in around the 17th century, the tomatoes became very prized because they were sweet, but also because they were red and the color was auspicious. So ketchup manis, people began putting tomato in there. Then the British settlers and the cooks they had at home wanted a little sweeter, so they put a little sugar and vinegar in there. Condiment made its way back to Britain. And now imagine just the lineage of the word ketchup manis ketchup and this became the catch-all for what this was called and somewhere along the way the americans grabbed it and as we do well packaged it marketed it and here we are with ketchup <laughs> so i guess in a way i lost my bet because i thought it was american but i did say chinese to begin with um that's pretty yeah. cool and so this is all yeah, about well, the food the, studies. And in Oxford, we can, we can uh, well, we can blame the English, the British, for <laughs> bringing us ketchup in a way, huh? Yeah, oh, for sure. You know, I mean, so many things are a product of trade, and so much in trade is a product of mishmashes of food. And so much of that comes down to the right cook here and the right person there. And, and here we have it. Like right now, sriracha is the condiment of choice. And... The only difference between sriracha, which comes from a single town in Thailand, yet the Thais failed to capitalize on it, it's like a Vietnamese-American family, is the only different ingredient between ketchup and sriracha is what? Garlic? Chili. Chili, all right. That's it. Every, yeah. The rest of it, same thing. Sugar, vinegar, tomatoes. Um, yeah, it's, it's, pretty, it's a pretty interesting thing. Heinz yep. 57, huh? Is that... <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. All mm-hmm. right, so this bespoke dinner is coming to Seattle as part of the Koshan 555 tour. Um, what day is it? Where is it at? And uh, how does it work? So there will be two parts. We have a daytime series of keynote speeches, themed panels, and roundtables where we have room for 80 people. And we'll have two keynote speeches, one themed panel on the issues of power, labor, and class in the kitchen and food industry, and then a series of roundtable discussions where people who attend can engage with the speakers in a table of no more than 10 people. Woven throughout the day will be Koshan-style food experiences, so a pop-up ramen bar with Riesling and the themed panel, a Glenfiddich tasting with the talking circles. That's uh, $50 for students and 70 for everyone else. We're about to announce the venue, we hope, in the next week. And then that night, the dinner, which is a five-course affair in which we work with three different chefs, which are also about to announce in the coming week, 
along with the venue, will be at 7 p.m. And the dinner is in the dinner and the daytime. Everything goes to charity between split between Oxford for getting students over to England to get a new generation of food scholars and our agricultural charity piggy bank. So we'll be releasing the info on the venues on the website. We hope very, very soon in the next coming days. Awesome. And how would will the website be in Koshan 555 or is this different? Yes, website will be koshan555.com. And you can also watch our Instagram for releases of info, which uh-huh. will be upcoming, we hope, very, like I said, very soon in the next few days. Well, great. Well, I'd love a chance to speak to some of the uh, presenters who will be coming to Seattle. So why don't we hook that up for our next show next week? And uh, we'll invite everybody to, uh, of course, Korshan 555 on April 30th. And this event takes place on the Saturday, right? The day before, correct? Yep. Saturday, April 29th, 9 a.m. for the, for the talks and 7 p.m. for the charity dinner. Perfect. Hey, well, this is great. Um, I'm quite intrigued now. So now we know where ketchup came from. Maybe we'll find out where mustard <laughs> came from. <laughs> hey, uh, Robert, I can't Mc- guarantee there will be ketchup at that day, but there you go. <laughs> okay, uh, Robert McEwen, this is awesome. Hey, I look forward to speaking with you next week to uh, coordinate with the speakers of uh, Bespoke Dinner, the charity function, and um, I look forward to seeing you, of course, at Koshan Five Five Five, and this Bespoke Charity Dinner on April 29th and the 30th. Um, how many? How many cities are you doing this tour again? Uh, We're doing 17 stops in 14 cities. And for Bespoke, we're doing eight cities right now. Well, that's great. Well, I'm sure the Seattle community will really rally around this. We've got uh, uh, such a vivacious culinary and, uh, well, comestible community. And there's so many great things with the cheeses and mushrooms and, of course, food and sustainability. And this is one more thing that uh, could help uh, educate our population and and uh, allow us to enjoy uh, food and, and the history and the um, well, the information behind it. So, Robert McEwen, hey, buddy, thanks so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Ciao. Hey, folks. I'm uh, glad you well, – I hope you enjoyed that. I know I did. Uh, we'll be right back with our final segments, our final thoughts right here on Happy Hour Radio. Start your day the right way. John Carlson, live and local, 6 to 10 a.m., Talk Radio 570, KVI. You're in the know with KVI One and O Weekends. Here's more Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back. A happy Saturday night with our fourth and final segment here on Happy Hour Radio. Hey, if you ever miss a show, ever want to hear it again, um, check out our website. It's happyhourradio.net. You'll uh, find 140-plus shows. We've been doing this for over three years. And gosh, I'm getting better at it. I feel better at it anyway. If you want to learn more about the world of wine, obviously keep tuning in every Saturday night right here. Um, But I've got an event coming up here in Seattle. It's July 9th, 10th, and 11th. It's called uh, Psalm Summit. And you don't have to be a sommelier, but uh, it's really geared for people who want to learn more about the world of wine, spirits, uh, beer, cider, and more. Um, It's called Psalm Summit, the International Wine and Spirits Symposium. It's a new event, and uh, it's taking place at South Seattle College. 
course, South Seattle uh, is a great campus over in West Seattle where I reside. Um, plenty of uh, free parking. And, of course, they have a culinary department and a wine department, the Northwest Wine Academy. So if you're a student or um, an aficionado, a collector, or you're in the media or in the trade, you're in the tasting room or a winemaker, this is your chance to uh, actually take a vacation to Europe and uh, abroad, even a, a bit of South Africa. Uh, we have a, an advanced level curriculum. This is going to include um, principles from specific regions, educators, and tastings of uh, fantastic wines. We've got uh, David Glancy, Master Sommier, coming up from Napa, uh, from San Francisco. He's going to be presenting Napa Valley Vintners Wines. So we're going to talk about Napa Valley, which is always great because they make fantastic wines down there. We also have Quilcita Creek. So if you've never had a chance to enjoy Quilcita Creek, uh, this is an opportunity to do a, a sit-down tasting with John Ware, who is the general manager, learn about Quilcita Creek, um, a host of their different vintages, their winemaking philosophy, and, and of course, just to taste and, and revel in the uh, the magnificent wines that they produce. Uh, I don't think they've had a, a, a wine under 94 points in the last decade, which, um, you know, that apparently means a lot, and um, we love those points. But there's more. We have the Wines of South Africa. Uh, Jim Clark, who's been on the show, he's going to be producing or hosting a seminar on the sparkling wines of South Africa, and of course, some of their, their signature grapes, whether it's Chenin Blanc or Pinotage. Uh, so we've got Napa Valley, Wines of South Africa. We have the Wines of Bordeaux, uh, the, the Left Bank, the Medoc, uh, and uh, their principal will be here to uh, share several classes of um, you know the history, topography, and of course, the wineries, and tasting the wines of Medoc of Bordeaux. We also have uh, the Wines of British Columbia, so if you... Uh, don't get a chance to hit up north. This could be a good preview for you. We have the wines of Spain. We're going to taste some Rioja. We also have uh, Lustau, uh, Bodega Lustau, which is uh, the preeminent sherry producer in the world. They are hosting an, an ambassador class. And so you could learn all about the history of sherry, taste some great examples, and um, and learn some of the language and the uh, verbiage to, to make you sound like uh, you've been a uh, almacenista, which is someone who, <laughs> who collects sherries and sells them. Um, who else is coming? We've got Remy Cognac. So if uh, the house of Remy Martin will be tasting cognacs, learning about all that. Uh, we have the Psalm Journal Magazine, and their editor-publisher, Meredith May, is producing two different seminars, um, one with uh, Christopher Miller with Master Sommier, who used to be a Seattle guy, and he'll be presenting um, wines of coastal California. We also have uh, uh, winebid.com, and uh, they're actually located here in Seattle. They have a headquarters here, and they're going to do a rare wine experience. And I've had a bunch of wines from Winebid. Uh, my friend Ken Avedizian is the uh, the procurement guy, and um, he's able to source fantastic wines from the 60s, 70s, and 80s that you would never believe, 90s and even the aughts. So uh, this is going to be a really special class, um, and we're going to have some whiskey seminars. We're going to have a little beer with our friends from Pike Brewing, and we're going to talk about the beers of the world. But it's called Psalm Summit. It's an International Wine and Spirit Symposium, July 9th through the 11th. SomSummit.com. Uh, this is really the best part. There's no TSA, yet you, you get to fly first class, so to speak, uh, to Europe, to Bordeaux, uh, to Spain. Uh, of course, you could uh, save a couple hours and... Um, 
to go into BC because they're all coming down to here, to Seattle. And this is going to be something that we will look for every year in bringing world-class wine to, uh, well, the number two production uh, state in the union of uh, American wine. That's us. So we've got a lot of people in the business. We've got almost $4 billion of industry here. And, um, you know, it's great to know about Washington wine, but to put things in perspective, it's best to know about the world of wine, and I encourage you to, to sign up. Where there's only uh, seats available for 200 people, and classrooms are uh, only up to 40 people, so they're going to be really intimate. And, of course, great wines, great tastings. We're going to have a host of sommeliers and peers and uh, tasting room people. And if you're a collector, enthusiast, aficionado, you can't miss it. SomSummit.com coming in July. Folks, hope you enjoyed the show. I always look forward to uh, coming on a Saturday night and to having a great time, trying some good sips. In fact, I'm sipping coral wines right now. If you're ready for coral wines, the white coral, red coral, and pink coral are out there at your uh, fine wine retailer. Um, hope you have a great Saturday night, a great weekend. Uh, happy April, and it's going to be sunny one of these days, I promise. Uh, we're out and about, folks. Be safe. Be smart. Remember, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers.